I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, get comfortable. Test one, two. Nobody likes a good underdog story more than me, your host, Fred Van Vliet. Welcome to Bet on Yourself, a podcast about diverse entrepreneurs overcoming obstacles on their way to building businesses designed not just to survive, but thrive in today's rapidly changing world. With me, as always, is my co-host and business advisor, D. Folk, a.k.a. Derek Folk, COO of Folk Williams Financial Management. D, how you feeling? Super excited. How about you? Man, good. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Our guest today is Baba Ajay. Who's tired of waiting? I am. Well, thanks to Baba Ajay, the wait is over. Baba is the CEO of Andy, a digital platform helping small businesses deliver express service experiences to customers. Their mission is to make sure long wait times, service delays, and customer frustrations are eliminated. And let's find out how he plans to expand. No waiting. Welcome to the show, Baba. Thanks for having me, Freddie. Derek, uh, good to be here with you guys and uh, looking forward to the chat. Yeah, let's get let's it. it. So, so let's get right to it, man. Tell us a little bit more about yourself um, and how you got started with Andy. Man, that's uh, first uh, hello to all the folks at home. Uh, mom, I told you you're going to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> I mom, uh, I dad as well. <laughs> but all this guys, shout out mom first. So my name is Baba Ajayi. As you heard, I'm the CEO of Andy. And we started out Andy last year as a live information platform. So Originally, we were building something pre-pandemic just to focus on helping people meet sort of an EA slash virtual chatbot for assistance. And COVID came around. We had a little piece of code that could actually calculate what the wait time was mm. at a coffee shop. So I was like, hey, maybe we could play around and uh, do this for a grocery store. So did it, sent it to a few family and friends. One of our contacts uh, for my team was someone who was a media. They were like, hey, do you mind if we share this? I'm like, sure, knock yourself out. They put it out there, CBC covered it, a few of the media outlets started covering it, and then, boom, from there we went. Now we provide live information, not just grocery stores. We're focused more on, like, hospitality, restaurants, places people want to go and say, hey, look, you want to go out there? We can give you this live information, and you can use that information to not decide where and where you want to go. Wow. Wow. Powerful. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Before we get into the business side, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, you and Derek spoke a little bit off camera about your background. So give us your background, how you know how you grew up, where you're from, where you come from, and how you got to this business that you just started. And we'll focus on the business part after that. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I'm from a very small African country that goes by the name Nigeria. I'm sure a lot of people might have heard about <laughs> that it. The before. smallest country in Africa. <laughs> we're, not, we're not too big, but we are a very loud bunch, uh, as a lot of people know. So. Came here almost 20 years ago, so my parents uh, decided to move the family when I was just about to enter high school. So I went to high school in Toronto, uh, been in Toronto ever since, went to University of Toronto. While I was there, my main passions were economics and computer science. So 
I've always been, since I was maybe about 10 years old, I've always been curious about business. And the other thing I loved was like technology. So mm. first, maybe about going on 15, 20 years ago, I took a floppy disk. I'm sure a lot of people who might be listening don't know what a floppy disk <laughs> is, but before you could put everything on the cloud, we used to have this thing called floppy disk, and I put a Mario game on it. That was the first thing I ever did in terms of writing code. Wow. So always wanted to do something that would allow that to intersect. And when I graduated, worked in corporate for a while, had a first chance to go into like my first business, and that was just more commodities trading. So I had an uncle who had a a business trading, you know, selling cocoa from Nigeria. And it's like, hey, I need someone to just kind of help me represent. So myself, a few of my friends, we got together. We built that business up. And we really ran it for about four years. But we didn't really have the resources to scale it. Because we're in an industry where it's a very competitive industry. It's a huge, you need, like, a lot of resources to play. So we couldn't scale. Then after that ended, this idea has been kicking around for about... Two years since then, I was like, you know, I want to do something where chatbots and people can interact, but not in the way where you're talking to, you know, it's a machine. Like, the way you could talk to them, like, it feels very human, it feels very natural. So that's how I came about doing Andy, and that's how I was like, you know, it started out that way, and lo and behold, here we are doing something a bit of a pivot. Mm -hmm. So my, my story is one of those stories where it started out, you know, just like, as you might understand from the title of the podcast, it's uh, you're betting yourself, or, mm -hmm. you know, hey, this is the dream. I want to do something that can, you know, build a business, not for this generation, but something that would last, you know, past myself, but also do something where anyone could use it and anyone could benefit from it. So, like, mm -hmm. that's what has always been that passion. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got here in terms of, like, being able to have this idea come together. All the experiences along the way, so I always tell people, maybe the 10,000 mistakes, uh, you know, all of them were all practice reps trying to get me ready for, mm -hmm. like, being able to, in this position to do this. Right. Wow. So, so, so I heard you mention you write code. Yes. So I would imagine your entry, your entry into the market was a little bit different because you can write the code. You didn't have to go hire somebody to write the code. It was, uh, it was interesting. So it was both out of you know being a black man in the tech world where it's a bit of a challenge when it comes to raising funds, going into a VC saying, oh, I have something on a napkin. Like, you need to earn those reps. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, you, you have to earn the reputation first. So I had to leverage what I had, which is, you know, like sometimes in life, if you have a disadvantage, you have to find a way to turn it around. And for me, being able to write code was that advantage. Like, hey, I have this idea in my head. It's resources I engineers to start with, to kind of explain the idea to them you're probably going to go through maybe 100, 200 versions of like your idea before it becomes something you can launch. So that was an advantage because then I could like sit there, I can you know mess around with the code, just keep fine-tuning it, keep working on it, keep just keep going, you know, whether it's like 6 a.m. in the morning, just be there just like at my desk with music on, just jamming and like trying to do it. Right. And pretty much that was the advantage I was able to use to kind of get myself to the position to launch initially. Right, so when you're writing code, I'm just curious because I'm thinking in my mind, if you're giving me real-time information, at some level it involves satellites and the code is, I mean, go deeper. <laughs> Tell us about this product because so, we don't know how apps work. So I'm curious to know. Yeah, so the, the way we did it was we used, there were 33 constraints that determine what's going on anywhere right now. So, you know, if we take that information, it's going to predict. It's, it's all using AI to predict saying, hey, you know what? If you want to go to a grocery store at this point in time, those are the other factors that are like 
intervening and, you know, coming down here, for example, we just, you and I were talking about traffic outside. So, right. for example, if you're looking to go somewhere, traffic could be a factor. And if that's happening in real time where there's a crash, those are the kind of things that we factor in. So that's where we were able to kind of pull information from all those sources that impact where you want to go to say, okay, we have all this information now. Can we tell Derek to go here or should we tell him, hey, you know, it's going to take you 25 minutes, maybe go to this other place. So that's how we kind of got started. And then what we've then done is the first time when we did it, we call it Andy 1.0, the one we did last year, we realized people really wanted this, you know, no one wanted to wait anymore, like Freddie said. So we're like, hey, let's go to the businesses and talk to them and say, hey, look, we have people who have the desire to not wait. You need customers to come in, especially in like hospitality, food and beverage. So if you were to get an account on our platform and we made it easy for you to like access that information, you know, we're using AI. AI can be wrong. You know, AI's got five to 10% chances. It might say, oh, it's going to take 20 minutes, but it's actually 15. But if you can actually help us add to that information, now you're going to be able to use that information to attract people into your business. And we're going to mm. give you access to all the data that's coming in. Okay. I guess I guess the question, if I can ask again, would be, you spoke about traffic times, right? So explain, you know, you're, you're speaking from a place of extreme privilege for somebody who understands the technology, right? But you got to understand that, you know, this podcast is going to touch millions of people. So explain to the dummies out there, like, there's an app that, that predicts traffic times, right? We don't have to say the name. Um, we're here to promote Andy. But, like, what is that? actual technology like how does that work that they can tell you that it's going to take 56 minutes to get from you know uh, downtown to Mississauga and then they can tell you where the police officer is and they can is it is it the user is it the user because the, the, the app offers a real-time input right so is it is it all of the predictive algorithms added with the user input or is it like Derek says there's something that's also that we're grabbing the information from so it's all, it's the predictive system, but because for us, the type of traffic we're predicting is the traffic or the, even, we call it live information from businesses. Mm. So it's a, it's a very, it's a more controllable one where right. what I want to tell you is if you and Derek are going for dinner, what is happening at the restaurant you're going to? So they're calculating the wait time exactly. in person so in the system. It, like Every time they enter, so let's say, for example, we allow them to set up a wait list. Mm. So whenever they're full they can add people to a wait list. So if you've mm. been waiting for 15 minutes, if Derek's been waiting for 25 minutes, now we can just run a quick math on the back end with a code saying, oh, you know, Freddie's been waiting for 15, Derek's been waiting for 20 minutes, and then now they have that live information in. And then we then go to them and say, okay, you know what? You kept Freddie waiting for 15, Derek waiting for 25. All this information, we've calculated it, we've communicated it to your customer. Both of them are still on their couch looking to come. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do to incentivize them. So do you want to send them an offer to say, hey, you know what? We see you're waiting in our wait list. If you want to come in right now, uh, you know, like our traffic situation is very low, so you can kind of come in mm. and uh, you're going to be able to So what we do is we have that AI that's sort of running in the background, but we're also now talking to the business and say, hey, look, this information has made this calculation. There's a customer on the other side that wants to come in. Mm -hmm. They've seen this information. Now it's up to you to be able to make the final push to say, hey, look, this is how we can make this come uh, a bit closer. So in there, I hear a component of capacity planning, yeah. right? So so let's use that reverse. So so Fred has just finished the game. He has dinner reservations at my restaurant, and you you are the restaurant, right? 
you should be able to look on there based on Fred's number, I would imagine, his phone number or something, and say, oh, he's going to be late for his reservation. So this party over here, to your point, who's been waiting for 10 minutes, I'm going to serve them and let Fred know I'm going to push your reservation out. That's where it sounds like there's value. That You you hit it right on the nail. Okay. Think about it where I was out for dinner a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I went to a restaurant. And like, it's my spot in the city. Like, I know the guy at the door. So I'm like, hey, man, like, can I go? And he's like, look, you're my boy, but I can't sit you right now. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. What are you talking about? It's like, yeah. look, I can't sit you because... There's a party we're holding the table for. We've been ordering it for 25 minutes. And I'm here with a group of four, you know, being, hey, like, no, we're just going to eat and, uh, you know, we're going to be out. It's like, oh, no, no, we can't see you. So the way you just described it where if they know Freddie is going to be late, they can seat and, like, make that money. Right. And, like, and the thing is, even if they know Freddie is coming in late and his reservation is supposed to end after two hours, like I say, hey, look, uh, this person is going to be done about an hour now because they've been an hour late. So now we can offer you this in about an hour's time. And now you or myself, if we're the other person, people waiting, we can say, hey, look, we'll be back in an hour. We know it's going to take an hour. Whereas the way it is right now where if you go to a place and might say, oh, let's write your name down. We'll give you a call later. You don't know if that call is going to come tomorrow, if it's going to come like today. So so you're, you're creating a capacity planning um, system for yeah. businesses exactly. as well as for the consumer. So talk to us about how do you get paid in that model? Where, where, who, who pays you? So because for the businesses, we're bringing them leads. So we have this as it's an open platform for you as a user who's the customer. But then the businesses pay for it because they are the ones who need people in the seats. They want to, you know, fill the seats up. So we tell them, hey, look, we have someone who's searched. They're looking. What do you want? Do you want to send them an offer? And also when they sit in, you're going to pay us. So that's the way we make it work. It's like. Every time we sit it's a someone, success fee. Exactly. So we're pretty much a lead generation engine for those businesses. Mm. That's smart. I mean, I think of you know we just went through COVID, <laughs> and restaurants are suffering like I don't know what. And to again reversing that, if Fred's coming in with a group of ten people, and and somebody owns a restaurant, they gonna hold that table for Fred. Mm-hmm. But you're standing there with four, and I'm standing there with four, and I'm like, we if they have that information, they can feed us and make that revenue. And text Fred and say, you know what? We can tell you're going to be late. So, bam. Exactly. And even yeah, and everybody wins. Think about it uh, also in addition to that where we might want to leave. So, let's say, for example, you and I, we both have parties of four. And we say, you know what? This place is like they're standing us up. We're going to go somewhere else. That somewhere else knows, hey, we have a group of four. If they know there are four customers out there who are just wandering around, we have two options. If you live close by, I can say, you know what, Derek, let's just go to your place and like we're going to chill, order food in. They're not going to make as much money if we order in the way they're going to make if we're actually sitting in the restaurant, if we're right. having a good time. So they are going to see, oh, there are four people who are just chilling on the sidewalk here. And they can say, hey, look, guys, we'll take you instead. And then what? We'll, and we'll say, oh, another person just offered us something. So if you if we have a party, those restaurants can actually pitch to us and say, hey, here's an offer for you. Come to us. Because they need business. So it sounds like you, you, you're going to provide a solution that is needed. So talk to us about, um, well, first off, how long have you been in business? So we started out as a company in 2019 okay. with the original concept. And then once COVID came around, we made the pivot. So I would say about two years now. So we, how many people are involved in your company today? So my team, we have about eight people. Okay. Uh, so, you know, four engineers, also four people on the marketing team. Full time? Uh, so most of them part-time and okay. then we have a three people who are full-time. Okay. Mm. So talk to us about 
What's the next level? What does the next level look like? And what does it take for you to get there? And what do you need to get there? So in terms of getting to the next level, it's, uh, it's resources. Because as you can see, this is something where, especially when it comes to that traffic and trial concept, there are 900 million people who go dine out in U.S. and Canada every year. So the next level is every time someone goes to a restaurant, every time someone sits down, we want to be able to help you get that information that's going to drive you to that restaurant. And what the next level looks like for us is Q4 2021, which is a few weeks from now, we're looking to push out what we call Andy 2.0, where people are going to start accessing this again. So, so currently we have about 60 restaurants in Toronto who've said, hey, look, we'll put our hands up. We're going to join uh, this platform. But what we need now is that exposure, you know, getting as many of them as possible, because what makes this good from a user standpoint is if you know you're going to find all the places you want to go. You know, if it has just 10 places, then that's hard. So when it comes to getting to the next level, it's that resource of, how do we spread the word? You know, how do we take the word from not just where we are chatting about this right now to making sure you know everyone in Toronto knows about this, everyone in Canada, everyone in the US and Canada. So the first thing is spreading the word. And then the other thing is having the right support system. Because for me, as someone who's gone through the startup journey before, I know the right support system, the right advisors, the right boards, you know, the right employees, they are very critical to your success. Because if you if you have the right support system, then the sky's the limit. Mm. Okay. What's your marketing budget? Uh, in terms of our marketing budget right now, like we've been bootstrapping. So this summer, for example, we were able to get all of our marketing. So we went to 182 restaurants in Toronto, mm-hmm. just talked to them. So we were able great. to do that just with under like 100 grand. Wow. Awesome. So so I want to back up because you said resources and we like to be specific here. We want our <laughs> listeners that here because somebody else yeah. is challenged with the same thing. So you said resources, but then you said marketing and basically creating awareness, right? So um, Fred will download the app and I'll download that, right? But when you say resources, are you talking about resources to cover those functions, i.e. capital, mm-hmm. some type of capital? Or are you talking about human resources? Or are you talking about financial resources? I would say uh, all three kind of intersect in that way because one, uh, the human capital, like I said, like what we were able to do this summer was we hired interns and you know myself and the interns went door to door every restaurant, you know, sitting with them, chatting with them, understanding their problems. And then the other thing is also, you know, the capital side of things in the financial way, you know, whether it's hiring more engineers, it's hiring more people on the marketing team. It's even even getting like all the like SEO ads, those kind of things done. You need those financial mm-hmm. resources to be able to get those things done. And so talk to us a little bit about that capital. We're billionaires sitting on this side of the table, <laughs> right? And you need some capital. Yeah. How much capital do you need? Uh, right now, uh, when we were thinking about this, uh, we were positioning ourselves to potentially either go for a pre-seed round of $500,000, if possible, or a seed round of about $1.5 million. So those are the two scenarios that we, we kind of give ourselves one or the other, because as you know, like I said before, uh, when you're trying to make it bootstrapping and uh, mm-hmm. figuring out ways, you always have, have to be able to be creative and see what you can do with less. So, so let's tell just say, D. tell them, you got, you <laughs> got, you D. got all of collectively. You just asked for two million dollars, right? Yeah. How far will two million dollars carry? Two million dollars would allow us to be able to be in twenty cities across U.S. and Canada within a year. Mm. Okay. And so, part of that two million dollars would be spent on a marketing, a brand manager, and some other resource around marketing and yes, PR. Correct. Okay. So, so, so it's two million dollars. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. We always like to ask because we think people sometimes are 
they're 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 so we're here's what I want to say. We're so often um, used to you mentioned um, being a, being a man of color previously and how that impacted you in coding. Part of what this show is about, bet on yourself, is talking about the social ills that typically leave people of color outside the capital markets of the world, right? And so we're so used to asking for so little. And so we really are asking for enough to barely get our businesses where they need to go. So that's I want to stay on that subject for a minute because I want to make sure $2 million is the right amount of money for you. You're talking to some billionaires. (laughs) And and the thing is, uh, like you hit it on the nail where the goal was always to think, and that's why I said earlier where uh, it was having that as a range of, hey, look, worst case scenario, 500K gets us to like another milestone. But then if we really needed it, it was like, you know, the 1.52 million. So yeah, like. So so let's let, let's stay there, mm-hmm. right? So we give you two million dollars. Yep. What can we expect in return? Where's your revenue go from there? So because we want our money back. <laughs> you give it two million dollars right now, then the revenue goes. So I'll I'll give you an example. That revenue would cover getting ten thousand restaurants on board. What we've done as part of you know as a man of color, being creative was. I and my engineers, uh, we spent time earlier this year. We built a scraper. So we know every restaurant in North America. We have their <laughs> contact information. I'm not even joking. We have, like, you know, like we built that up and say, hey, look, if we can go door to door, we're going to first talk to people in our city. And then once we get the message tight, we're going to be able to scale up and talk to them. Because, like I said, we want to have 20 cities. Well, you're going to have proof of concept, right? Exactly. So, so it's like, that door-to-door process is going to be a little bit easier. I guess I'll be interested to hear more about, you know, you spoke about the team of eight, right? So I think one thing that um, startups can forget to do sometimes is um, think about, we, Derek often talks about human capital, right? So um, we had a guest who, who spoke more about, you know, uh, uh, a merger of, you know, they want um, mentorship um, or positions on the board and um, investing, right? So there's different type of inv- investors. So I think that, you know, maybe something to think about is like how that pie is cut, how that pie is cut up, and then maybe cutting some people in that may can bring either its financial resources or other resources that can contribute to the company. Um, how is that set up now? I mean, I know you said some are part-time and full-time. You don't have to tell us who owns yeah. what. But um, I would be interested to know about the inclusion of, like, you know, how is the equity broken up right now? So in terms of the way it's broken up, so uh, we have it where, like, there is room for investors because, like, that's one of the things we had been prepping for is, like, getting that room in. Mm-hmm. And then what we also did was to make sure we would be able to cut people in when we were building our advisory team. We went and looked for people who could contribute, but also people who we could give them manageable equity. So mm-hmm. like if we wanted to bring someone on, there was in 50 people on a cap sheet, and mm-hmm. everyone was like, well, the, so in terms of that, the way it's set up. And then obviously, because we're Canadian-controlled corporation, and then also, like, I've been a black person like, owning this. Like, you know, we had to fit, get the requirements of, you know, like more than 50% owned by a person of color, which is mm-hmm. myself. And then we had like those little things. But when it comes to the cap table, we've been able to create it in such a way that we could bring people on board later. And then all the people we have were on the employee side because a lot of them started with us as interns. So when they went undergrad, like I brought them under my wings, trained them in terms of like the craft of the trade when it comes to coding, mm-hmm. and then was able to offer them small pieces here and there so that 
you know, they knew someday if there was a huge payout, I wanted them to be able to enjoy that as well because like they put in lots of hours even though they were still learning and training at the point in time. That's cool. Yeah, so I, I heard Fred uh, mention something. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to it. I think I heard him say, also you talked about an advisory board and what he was talking about is bringing other experts onto yeah. your team in the role of like a board member or advisor and you touched on it. So I might think, do you have somebody from the National Restaurant Association on your advisory board, people who are going to give you other types of capital or access? Because yes. that access can be worth millions. Absolutely. So uh, our, actually, our lead industry advisor, or Cyrus Cooper, was someone who's managed uh, a four-star restaurant in Toronto. They've also yeah. like worked with like five-star restaurants in the city. So they've been able to essentially... He and I will meet once a week and I always tell him it's a, we call it a download session where mm-hmm. all the knowledge he knows, whatever is new in the space, is able to download that information from his head onto mine. Mm-hmm. Also here in the city, we're part of uh, an incubator called the Ryerson DMZ, which is like Canada's leading uh, university incubator. And then through that network, network, we're able to access not just, you know, people at IBM, people also, you know, like at Apple, like all the places where we need to be able to connect to someone, get insights, and be able to get that like support system. Because like I mentioned before, support systems can break or make a, a business. That's a lot of times people don't realize that. They like to say, hey, I'm going to do this by myself. But I'm like, hey, you can go far by yourself, but you know, if you want to really go further and get to your dream, it's all about bringing as many of those support systems. And then we're always opening to add because the more people you add with the right expertise and the right knowledge, the more you're able to you know, make something great. So, so, so you've talked about restaurants, yeah. but I would imagine this app has application and other yeah. businesses. You, you've mentioned a hospitality, so that includes clubs. Uh, so that includes. Uh, so when we did this, when we launched Andy 1.0, we actually launched it in three million locations across US and Canada. So we had people using it as far as like Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> and like it's like I've never been before, but you know, like people oh, were using it. They finally got that many lines. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I shouldn't say that. Somebody from you know, Mobile is listening. Like, sure we got lines at our like, restaurant. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. So it has applications there where, you know, we started in groceries to okay. test out the concept. So we tested it out in groceries. We tested it out in, like, clinics, you know, doctor's offices, big box stores. We talked to, you know, a car tire uh, management company where, you know, mm. Those are the kind of places that we have future aspirations to take it to, you know, clubs, restaurants. But why we chose hospitality as an umbrella, so, you know, restaurants, clubs, hotels, was because when you have an underdog story, you're always very passionate towards underdogs. So, like, I knew that segment was struggling, you know, talking to people that I knew there. Like, I knew all the pains, like, of the past year. Plus, I also knew how a lot of technology companies were using the fact that it's a very traditionally old-school industry to sort of, you know, like, take advantage of the situation because like when you know someone really needs something and they have no other choice, you might take advantage of it. All the people coming up with the dope stuff don't have no money and then you need the money to take it to the next level. Exactly. So it's like like the goal is, you know, start with hospitality, really help them out and then from there on be able to take it to all these other places where we've seen it because waiting somewhere, getting that live information that's going to make sure you can go in and out quickly, it's applicable almost everywhere you go, whether it's an airport or like a doctor's office. So, so talk to us about obstacles that you've had to overcome. How did you? Per- what what were they, and how did you persevere or, or climb over that hump? So, like the the biggest thing was, uh, so for me, been doing this, uh, being in like the startup world in Toronto for almost ten years. So, like I said, like my first startup was in that commodities business, and 
the biggest obstacle was that resource, you know, being able to go pitch someone and say, hey, look, I have an idea. Like, I always, I always have the mindset that, you know, like, it's all about hearing someone out. Like, you know, you might think it's the craziest idea in the water. It's not even like something that makes sense, but you listen to it. And I feel the biggest obstacle was always when you walk in as a person of color, like people are like, oh, yeah, like, it's a nice idea. Like, every now and then they will give you very, like, flimsy feedback. You know, like, if you are like a small talker, they might say, oh, you know, like this guy's a small talker, which is a very negative connotation in the business or because I could call you a small talker if you and I are friends. If I call you that in a business boardroom, it's really something that means something else. Whereas mm-hmm. someone else who's not of color, if they have the same character trait, they might be, oh, that guy's confident. So like knowing that that was a big struggle, it was always like, you know, very like antsy about going to like raise money. And it was why, you know, like I had to make sure I made myself into like that double thread of, hey, look, I could pitch my business, but also, like, I could build it if all else fails and, you know, like, code, do whatever had to be done. So that was the biggest struggle was accessing resources because, one, there isn't that many black VCs. Mm-hmm. There are not that many black CEOs. And I was chatting with someone earlier today and saying, if I can look back on my life, uh, you know, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, if I see there's about 200 CEOs of tech companies that are people of color, and if... I've been able to mentor maybe like 50 of them. I'll consider it worth it because I know what it felt like walking into rooms mm. and being that black guy. Like you're, you're in a room with like other CEOs from tech, but you know, like you stick out and people actively make, whether they, they do it out of, you know, intentional or unintentionally, because like if you're the only brother in the room, people still keep coming to you saying, hey brother, how's it going? Like, <laughs> like they're trying to make it obvious that, hey, like this person isn't here. So, the biggest struggle, if I could kind of wrap that up, was like, you know, being in a room where people didn't feel you were not supposed to be there. And then, you know, having to work twice as hard to make sure that, you know, when you open your mouth and you start talking to people, they know, hey, you know what, like this person is supposed to be in this room. So that was the biggest challenge. But you persevered. <laughs> so after you persevered, then you started walking and you went further into your journey. What was the next surprise? What, what was the surprise that you encountered? I would say like, to, like, to be honest, like the, the next surprise was understanding pretty much like, you know, you could do what's possible. Like a lot of the times, you know, when I mentor people and I talk to them about building, whether it's a business or an app, people always forget that like all you have to do is start. I, I think we sell ourselves this thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to fail, so I'm not going to do this. But what really brought us to life was like, hey, you know, like anything is possible was I was just at a grocery store last year and two people, I was in a line. Like, just, I have an app that says you don't have to line up. But here I was, you know, like I knew the line was going to be short because I checked the app. I went there and two people, just about two, like there was someone in front of me and then like two people in front of me were talking about the app. And I'm just there being like, it was a very surreal mm, and humbling wow. moment because mm, I'm like, wow. man, like if mm. I, like, I'm like, if I knew like this was like, cause like just that reality that, hey, Anything you want to do is mm. actually possible. You just got to start it. You got to try it out, see what happens. And, and then, fail. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's like. It's I, not the first thing you, <laughs> you, you started, right? No, no. It's, it's like the first one. And you know, to, to share that personal story as well, you know, that, that first one, I always tell people, one of my favorite things is like, my mistakes were my breakthroughs. Right. And it's, it's something because every time you make a mistake, it prepares you for the next time mm. to be able to get to an, another success. You're going to make another mistake at that level. And I remember when my first company ended, I came, 
you know, we're, we're, we're close to the water here. So I came by posting pair like that day and like I was just hanging out there and like I was just I had tears in my eyes because I was like that was the first time since I could remember where like I had like failed at something. Mm-hmm. And when you build a company up, it feels like your own like baby, you know, like you put like your I'm talking like I would be at the office back then till like one AM in the morning, till like two in the morning. So when that failed, I was like just like there. And then what I told myself was like, you know what? Remember this moment, remember this pain, and someday it's gonna put you like at a position where like you could succeed. And that was that one time where people were talking about something I made, and I'm just like right behind them, mm. and that like was surreal. Yeah, we call that the aha moment, or when you heard the first <laughs> yes, because because all we're looking for is the first yes. Yeah. We we get the first yes, we forget about the last no, right? Exactly. So that's good. So 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 let's talk about something else. Over the last year, last 18 months or so, we've seen this thing called a pandemic. Yeah. You've referred to it a couple times. But in the middle of the pandemic, everybody stopped. And we had this major social thing that swung across the world called Black Lives Matter. And during that time, talk to us about how you saw that as an opportunity or what you what you personally got from it and what you saw as an opportunity for your business. So I, I, the biggest thing was uh, someone who is a person of color in an underrepresented like tech industry for the first time people were very open talking about the conversations because it was something in the past where you know like if you took a meeting with an investor and you want to go like that person didn't like me and i think i can't put my hand on it because the other guy who came i talked to him about his idea and you know no one ever challenged their buyers no one ever like said oh you know maybe if i call this person and say oh man like you know like you're very sharp or like you know you're well-dressed you're not wearing like a hoodie like many coders <laughs> those kind of things where it's those little comments like no one was very aware of like that bias so for the first time ever being able to kind of like app chat to people and share like how i felt and the other thing is you might understand this uh, you know as people who've done like business like when you go into those rooms because what people of color we try to like sell ourselves to ignore the biases to like just say hey look man focus on the mission it's locking right now like you know this is like, it's like put your blinders on exactly like this yeah. is like this is your version of the fourth quarter like mm-hmm. you know like there's the game is to be won just locking and that was the first time where a lot of the things where i may have said like look i'm just gonna put my blinders on and focus on the goal i was able to kind of talk about it again i was able to say hey look like when i go into a room i don't want to have to like wear a blazer like to go like meet this person like I just want to show up, like, and not be judged because, hey, like, maybe my hair isn't cut a certain way. Maybe it's, So, like, that was the first time to be able to have that conversation. It was very, like, it was very releasing and relaxing because you talk to people and say, hey, look, this is, like, something you need to be aware of going forward. And then the other thing was that also created opportunities to find you know, a bit of visibility because now, you know, whether it's a correction or people trying to make amends for the past, everyone was looking and say, hey, look, what some other black founders were doing things that we can connect with some of those companies and then being able to tie that myself, have someone on my team amplify their story, you know, say, hey, look, this is what I do. I'm a person of color. You know, like I'm doing something not because I'm a person of color. I'm doing something because I'm passionate about it. So it's like being able to have those kind of conversations and visibility was very great. And then, of course, it's for the first time knowing that as a society, I'm like, we're not going to get there today. We're probably not going to get in a year. But, like, at least we made the first start. Like, I'm always someone where, like, I always tell people whether it's an idea, you know, you want to work out, whatever it is, just start. Because once you start, then 
you can it's harder to stop once you've started. Right. It's harder to start when you haven't like done anything. But it's like once you actually start like being able to say, Oh, you know what, we're just gonna box this and ignore like this conversation, it's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then also like I, I gotta say this to you, Freddie, like a big thank you to you guys on the Raptors because you guys having the bus, you guys being in Orlando talking about those things, you know, you were putting it in business circles as well. It's like for a first time, like corporations that would always say, you know, I like we don't like to do anything controversial. Mm-hmm. They had to like face the moment. They had to talk about it. So like yeah. when people at the top are talking about it, it's harder for like people in the middle or people at the bottom to ignore it. Yeah, we couldn't ignore it. And that's the point that we reached to. I know just, you know, personal experience just being in the bubble, like we all just reached that point. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah. like why are we sitting in a hotel room in Orlando at Disney World getting ready to go play basketball away from our families and we just watched, you know, a guy uh, get shot. I think it was Jacob Blake. We see him get shot in front of his whole yeah. family and paralyzed, man, whatever, you know, terrible things they did to him so um we all reached that that moment at the same time and you know there's 450 of us or however many there is in the nba and everybody falls on different spectrums but for myself i didn't want to talk or see or do anything that had to do anything with basketball and i will give this shit up if i have to like as i'm a person yeah. first you know i'm a man first and i think that kind of everybody hit that point at the same time Now, you know, there's a lot of steps, especially when there's large groups of people of how you get to the end goal. Um, Ultimately, you know, things were handled how they were handled. But I think for the most part, I think that was just, you know, the symbolism to show that that you're speaking about of like, you know, we have to at least start the conversation, at least start to hold people accountable and and like make people aware of like, we're not going to just turn a blind eye to these things anymore. Um, And that's what you're speaking to. So um, that's something that, you know, we are very uh, proud of. And that's something that, you know, me and Derek always carry with us in every meeting or conversation or every walk of life that we do. so I just want to commend you um, and and tell you to keep going. Like, you know, it's important to bet on yourself, but it's also important to, you know, um, have some type of moral ground and, and values and, and, and standards to um, uphold as you do those things. So before we go any further, I would like to see the app. Um, you know, I want to see how it works. I, I got to take – Take wifey to dinner tonight, so I might I might need to use that to book a reservation somewhere. <laughs> yeah, can you check it let's, out? Like, nah, it let's, like- let's let's see how the app works, man. Let's or, or, or walk us through, you know, a crash test, or or at least just show us what it looks Definitely. like. Definitely. So like this is the 2.0. It's still uh, in like the demo state and. Essentially, what it is is so. What I'm gonna do is we're probably gonna try to hold it up for the camera, and you can just talk talk through as we go. Pretty much, you, you come on this, and you see a list of all the places around you. So you could put in if you wanted to go have Mexican tonight, you put in Mexican. And you if you want to go to a specific place, you type in the name. If you want to even check like a location, so like show me things nearby, you press the button. It gives you a list. And in that list, there's like little bits of information. So you're going to see there's the offers, you know, you're just going to see if they, they have a wait list. And then you can sort of just like tap it. And depending on what you press, something pops up. You see that information. What we also do is if people know they're going to go out for the night, they can say, hey, look, I'm going out with a party of four from now until 11 p.m. Tell me everything that's going on uh, around downtown Toronto. So every time a restaurant is like, hey, someone just canceled. We have open spots. You're going to get it because you've already set that notification. And then if you want to see an offer, it's going to tell you, well, we also have an offer. 
So we're not just telling you we're available. Here's it and you can book. And then what we're open to do is as people start to use this, we want to become that uh, nightly concierge. So people put in their information ahead of time. So we know, hey, look, there's 20,000 people with the d- demand. And then you as a restaurant side, we can tell you, hey, look, this is what we're looking at. This is how we might be able to work together. So just as soon as something pops for you, tell us, and then it's going to be like a stock trading uh, ticker where everything just comes through. So theoretically, I could pick my five best restaurants in a city like Los Angeles or Toronto, and like I just decided at 6 that I want to go out for dinner at 8. I could just plug that information in, and it's going to tell me of my five if any of them have seating available. Exactly, and then what you can even do is you can set up and say, hey, look, uh, just track them. Here's my preference. I only want to wait five minutes at the door. I'm going to have five people. And then as soon as they say, hey, look, we've hit the five-minute wait threshold, then say, hey, message Derek, tell Derek. You know, if Freddie's also on a different list, it's going to tell them. So that's the kind of thing where you as a user can have all the settings, and then the AI in the background is going to do all the maneuvering and do as much work as possible to make things happen. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm looking at it. It's, it's, it looks good. It's Relatively easy to use. Um, yeah, that's 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 good. that's dope. Wow, very clean. <laughs> Thanks. So you you and your team wrote all that. We we wrote all of this. Like I wrote the original designs of you know like I like sat in a room wrote the designs. And one thing is, I always wanted it to be something that was very easy to use. Mm-hmm. So I was able to like explain this to my grandma. Mm-hmm. I got I got to give her a shout out. Hi, grandma, if you're listening to this. Yeah, shout out to grandma. <laughs> and we also want to tell all the listeners to go to their phones and download. <laughs> exactly. It's like and like, you know you can go to alwaysandy.com. So a so you go to alwaysandy.com and then you can also go to your app store whether you're on iOS or you're on Android and be able to search for Andy A N D I E and download it for uh, your location. So we're starting in Toronto. So uh, if you're outside of Toronto, give us a few months, and I promise you, uh, we're always working hard to get to as many places. And you know, we have things lined up. And uh, as soon as we can get to your city, we're gonna get in. I know Freddie's from Chicago. You're from uh, you know, California, so we're gonna be able to uh, get to those places as soon as possible. So anyone listening, uh, just stay tuned. But in the meantime, go to alwaysandy.com and uh, follow our journey, follow our story, and uh, you're gonna be able to see what we're doing and how we're evolving. Talk to us about the name. How'd you get to, how did you, how did you come up with the name? So I was always curious about this idea of, you know, we didn't want this just to be something that the, the name had to have a meaning to it. So the name always and is a, hey, this is an app that you use when you need it. So, you know, if you, like Derek said, if you wanted to go to dinner last minute, it's always Andy because it's that Andy information you have exactly when you need it. So you might choose to not use it all the time, but the moment you need it, we want it to be that thing that's kind of Andy for you. So we couldn't get the right spelling, which is H-A- Oh, okay. That's what I'm sitting here like, Andy. Okay. But we had to like go with something that can still be spelled the same way. Yeah, because it needs to be catchy. Exactly. That's hard. Do you have a logo for it? Oh, yes, we have a logo. You didn't show us the logo. (laughs) Oh, We need to see the logo. The the listeners and everybody needs to see the logo so they can find it. So you're going to see the the logos. uh, It's the A at the top uh, corner. So if you look, just like the smiling A. It's uh, <laughs> over here. Yeah, over there. So it's a uh, it's a little smiley face. Right there. A, right there. That's the logo. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see if we can blow that up. There we go. That little guy right there. <laughs> yeah, that is it right there. That's the logo, everyone. Let's go check out Always Andy. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's get to the good stuff, D. What, uh, is this it? Uh, yes, so that's right, yeah. uh, that was so the version this, one. So, <laughs> okay, so don't show this one. So, so like no, like we're gonna have this updated. So, okay. cause like yeah, I, I know uh, by the time we have this live, it's All gonna right. be updated. But so that I was just, the first uh, yeah. version we made uh, a while back. I just found this one in the app store, yeah. so maybe so we can show that one too. Yeah, we're on uh, Android and as well as our iOS, so we're able to uh, download in any device. And then what we also do is. For the older folks, uh, you can set up a text notification. So you yeah. don't have, <laughs> if you don't have a phone that's uh, got an app on it, just uh, put your number in, and then we text you. So yeah. we, we want to make sure everyone can access this anywhere. If you don't have Wi-Fi, if you don't have LTE, we, we got you. That's that's dope. So um, let's get to the good stuff, D. Um, you know, here is Baba with his uh, his app. He's 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 trying to get to the next level. He's already very successful. Um, how how is he going to get there? Um, I think you need to raise private equity. I think private equity is the move for you. Um, and I think that's part of what you're thinking right now, right, is um, probably finding some private equity. And when you talk about 500000 that's, you know, in, in your first round, that's probably not that. I don't want to make it seem like it's easy because $500,000 is a lot of money. But um, it's doable. I think it's doable. I think you're you're within striking distance. So I would focus on finding um, several entrepreneurs, but you know, or some private equity, a hedge fund, or whatever. But I'd also seek out a lending partner like my bank. Have you have you walked into a bank? Does your bank uh, do any business with you guys? We don't currently do any uh, banking like lending business. One of the things I always tell people is at the very beginning of of your journey, a bank should be your partner. Because eventually, when millions of dollars come rolling in, what are you going to do with them? Go put it in a bank. Mm. So I'm not going to give you my millions unless you are with me on this journey, Mm -hmm. right? Banks in the world, (laughs) they control all the money. And banks get what we call free. Like, you have to raise capital. Banks don't, right? Banks get capital because... All of us deposit money into banks. I want to say that very clear. We give them free financing. It's called free financing, right? And banks in exchange can take that money and raise more money. But banks don't lend our money back to us. There's not a fair exchange. Mm. See, typically when when you – if I download that app or anybody who's involved with you, you're giving them something back. Banks don't give us anything back. 
we don't even get the checks. We got to pay for the checks. And they give us a card, but we got to pay to take the money out of the bank. Right? So Fees all over the place. Yeah. I think one thing that, you know, talking about those fees would be, um, that I would start knocking on some doors about would be like uh, some card issuers or, or whatever the case may be, since we are targeting, you know, um, restaurants and things like that. I know for a fact there are, um, I work with one actually that, that is uh that is is in the field of helping small businesses, right? So especially that's a huge thing here in Toronto, the city of Toronto is, uh, you know, helping small businesses and and getting, um, you know, favorable uh, points, reward systems and all that. So I think that that could be a a door to knock on as well to say, hey, uh, we can help you organize all of that. And the other thing you got to start doing is you have to weaponize all of that data that you guys have because that's the one thing that you can't get unless you are somebody like yourself, right? We have to pay, you know, coders. We have to pay all these people who can have this special talent uh, of, you know, what they can do. Um, with the technology that, you know, the rest of us can do. So I would start to weaponize that a little bit and say, hey, um, here's what we offer. We have all of this data. We can tell you who to market to. We can tell you, you know, you can, I mean, not that you want to be the company that's taking people's data off of their phone, but I'm sure there's a user agreement in there or something like that and say, hey, we have all of this data here. We're connected directly to people's phones. We We can show you who's using what. We can show you what they're spending. You know, we partner with the restaurant, we partner with you, and boom, now you got a favorable, whether it's the loan that he's speaking about or it's, it's or rewards or something like that. You just need more disposable income that can lend to some of these numbers that you're speaking to because it, it's not as simple as, you know, we make it sound where it's like walking into the bank right. and say, I need 500K. Like, it, it, it sounds good, but, like, there's other ways to get there as well, and I think, you know, those are some things to think about. Yeah, I think yeah. that that the card ideal, I think that's an awesome ideal because we can't, we're not going to say their name, but you might they might have a platinum and they might have a gold one, um, and so that's what those cards are used for is everything you're talking about, leisure and entertainment, right? So imagine if you went to them and said, like, they could offer, um, you know, using your data, they could say, hey, everybody, let's go to Fred's restaurant over here, and you might be in for a 5% discount. Yeah, I mean, even more than that, like, our big sponsor on this show is Intuit, right? Intuit offers QuickBooks and things like that to help the business, but I I guess my— my interest would be is to start seeking out some of these companies to see if they're really going to put their money where their mouth is because it's easy to pay for an ad or a spot or to sponsor something, but it takes more uh, um, investment, not in the investment sense, but it takes more vested interest right. to say, okay, Baba, we're going to write you a check for not for ad yep. placement, which we can get to. We're going to write you a check because we believe in your company. Right. And I think that that's that's something that that we have to start starting a conversation as well as like not just taking, you know, traditional ad dollars or or whatever sponsoring because you're going to have traffic. You said you're in 60 restaurants. You know, you have users. There's people that's checking their phone. So it's like, hey, we can put, you know, we can I write the code. I can put I can put your your logo real pretty on my screen right here at the bottom. Check out with such and such here you get points back on the car I, I mean those are some things to get your wheels yeah. turning and I don't know you know the conversations that you have with your board or who's talking to who but I would I w- I w- get those I would get those conversations going for sure yeah like Great. definitely definitely I like it yeah I like your business good yeah, those are some good insights yes sir 
So, Baba with Andy. Um, Baba gave us a lot of wisdom, um, but this one quote stuck with me, uh, which was, with the right support systems, the sky's the limit. Um, I know that's that's something me and you both believe in and something that we live every day. Um, I love the fact that, that he spoke about um, having human capital is something that I hear you talk a lot about that people kind of overlook. So investing in the right people, um, giving people a chance, giving people a, a seat at the table, especially as a startup. Um, I mean, this guy was really bright. Um, he had a lot of good ideas. Uh, his app worked um, and it's intriguing. Um, and I think that he is a good leader. Just from sitting in front of him, I could see him being a good leader and being somebody that you would want to to build a, a company with. Um, and he's very sharp coming from the actual tech space and being able to code and being able to build an app to being the guy who owns it. Those two things um, don't always go together, but I think in, in this case, um, it works for him. So uh, having that team and, and building that company um, People still need to get paid because, you know, bills don't go away. Right. Well, and it's interesting because I think where Andy would benefit is by incorporating QuickBooks into its business model and using that as a tool to track people's time and and everything so they can make sure that everybody gets paid timely, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, he wants to make sure that the team that he the intellectual capital that he attracts mm -hmm. that they get paid because that's what they're bringing their intellect for is so that they can be compensated so I think using QuickBooks allows him to do that and it's, you know, it's really quick and it saves him a lot of time um, and the more the more he focuses on paying people and paying them timely mm -hmm. uh, I think the faster his business is going to grow because people respond to being compensated mm -hmm, right absolutely so uh i think that's yeah i think that's one of the great things um and i think it also allows him to track a lot of his costs you know outside you know as the cost of operating um the cost of deploying um the uh, technology that he's doing mm -hmm. um you know and, and like we you know companies like this they've got the uh the IP that they've got to protect, right? Copyrights, mm -hmm. trademarks, things like that. So I think QuickBooks also allows him to keep track of those one-time costs versus his ongoing costs. Absolutely. Talk I think about, he's got a great business here. Yes, he does. We talked about, uh, you know, that morale and people feeling like they're not being compensated right or treated right. You know, those those things can go a long way within a company. So to me, just one thing that's just shining through, I think that having QuickBooks is that tool is to, to organize and to kind of take some of that stress off of somebody sitting down with a pen and pad trying to trying to keep track of everything that's going on when you're just chasing um, your dream and, and trying to scale your business and your company up. So we all have uh, nieces and nephews and kids. I got kids. You got kids. You, you know, you want them to be um, happy and healthy in the workspace. And I think that having this tool to help assist a company and assist entrepreneurs early up um, be organized and, and take some of that stress off I think that could go a long way um, because with this company that he has I think he's he's on he's well on his way um, and I think this could just be another tool that he could use to, to speed up that process well thank you man we want to thank our guest today Baba Ajay for sharing his story with us he is the CEO of Andy which is a uh, so we are a live information platform. So if you're going to any hospitality business in Toronto, 
we want to be able to help you to check out that and uh, if you're not in Toronto right now we promise we'll come into a city near you uh, very soon yes and that is A-N-D-I-E correct right Andy so we also want to give a huge thanks to our sponsor Intuit and our network partner ACAST and for the Bet On Yourself podcast I'm your host Fred Van Vliet with my co-host D-Folk signing out 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 just for the ones who buy the bag, I'm talking seven numbers. Ain't no sleep, you know I'm turned because I got goals to reach. If I don't work, then I don't eat, but I got kids to feed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.